Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Anyway, hey, 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 it's Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Jim Chesco, call me Chet, and I'll be your host this week while Bill hangs out in, in Atlanta for a few days. I believe he's taking in the Phil's Braves game that should, in fact, be getting underway in about 20 minutes. And if all goes well, he's going to be giving us a call shortly after the first pitch to set the scene down at SunTrust. Stadium or SunTrust Park, whatever it's called. I don't know. Can you believe it's July already? I finally got on my pool this past Saturday, hoping that'll happen again on the 4th, but the summer's just flying by. Before you know it, Eagles training camp will be here, then back to school for kids, then another Birds football season, which isn't a bad thing, I guess. Hope you're having a great summer and that we'll get some nice sunny weather for the 4th and this weekend. And speaking of looking forward to things, it's three weeks from today, that I'll be seeing the Rolling Stones at the link. Not that I'm counting the days, but okay, I am. 21 days from today. So, no bill other than an expected call-in from Atlanta, but there is plenty to talk about, particularly regarding the 76ers and what they've done in free agency over the last 48 hours. Most notably, of course, Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick are gone. Josh Richardson and Al Horford are new additions. What does it mean for Brett Brown's team going forward? Are they better or worse than the squad that went out in the second round to the eventual champion Toronto Raptors? Who's the go-to guy now when you need a bucket late in the game? To talk about all of that, we're going to be joined later on in the show by our pal Fred Hugo of fredandbutter.com. Very curious to see what Fred thinks about all of that stuff and whether we can expect any contributions from rookie Matisse Thibel right away and other young ones like Shake Milton, who just got a new contract, by the way, Zaire Smith, and Jonah Bolden next season. We'll see what they have to offer as they continue to develop. But first, we've got to get into this 2019 Phillies team that has been a real mystery. They're 44-40, and 40, just past the midpoint of the season, which, believe it or not, is three games behind what the 2018 Phillies were at this point. Yeah, they were 47-37 and 37 last year, despite not having guys like Bryce Harper, Gene Segura, or all-star JT Realmuto on the roster. So what gives? Why are so many guys underachieving? How the hell do they lose five of six to the stinking Marlins over the past two weekends? That's another question we've got to get answered. Uh, how's this series against the Braves going to go, the first-place Braves? 
And importantly, when can we expect Matt Klentak to make a move or two to bolster this less-than-stellar pitching rotation? So many questions we have to have answers for, and hopefully we'll get some of those tonight because we have a good guest to talk about all of that. In the meantime, though, congratulations to Team USA, the women's soccer team. They did it. They won 2-1. to one. Alex Morgan getting the game-winning goal, and it was on her 30th birthday, too, which is pretty cool. So Team USA advances to the final. I guess it's this Sunday. They'll know who they're going to play tomorrow because the other semifinal is tomorrow. But Team USA just keeps right on rolling, even without Megan Rapinoe today. She was out with an injury but hopes to be back this weekend. So we're going to talk Phillies first of all as soon as we get our guest on the line. Paul Hagen is going to join us. And we're excited about having Paul Hagen on the show because uh, we've been doing the show for five years. We have had a lot of great baseball writers and some former players join us. But we haven't yet talked to Paul, and we're hoping that's going to change within the next few minutes. Because, as I said, lots of questions about this Phillies team and where they may be going because they're underachieving, that is for sure. And I wish we had someone we could get some answers from, and I think we can, because you know this gentleman from his more than two decades coming to Phillies for the Philadelphia Daily News, then writing for MLB.com. He now writes the weekly column for the Philly Voice, making his first visit to Philly Press Box Radio, the terrific baseball writer and reporter, Mr. Paul Hagen. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Happy to be with you. Paul, this is Chet. Uh, I'm flying solo tonight, and usually Bill Furman is with me, but he's down in Atlanta actually watching the Phillies and Braves. We're going to you know, do the first pitch in about 15 minutes or so. So just you and me for now, but thanks for hopping on our little show this week. And, boy, do I have questions for you. First of all, <laughs> okay. a, a rearview mirror question. How the heck did the Phillies lose five of six to the Miami Marlins over the past 12 days? Well, that's a, a real good question. Um, this has clearly been a, a very inconsistent team. You look at that team – that swept the Braves right out of the gate opening day in that first series and, you know, got off to such a hot start. And then, you know, to, to even imagine that we're sitting here now with them having lost eight and a half games in the standings uh, and losing 13 of their last 20, uh, it, it's just really hard to believe. It, it's just a really, really inconsistent team, which usually means inconsistent pitching. Yeah, and we'll get to the pitching in just a bit, but the Phils were 11-16 and 16 in June. Not a good month at all. They're in Atlanta right now, as we said, first pitch in about 10 or 15 minutes. And as you wrote yesterday in the Philly Voice, Paul, this series feels pretty damn important. It really is, isn't it? You know, everything, every fiber of my being uh, strains against the idea of an important series in the first week in July. <laughs> but... Uh, for the Phillies, this really is, and, and not just because of, you know, what it can mean, where then can they catch the Braves, can they make the wild card, that sort of thing, but because it's really got a chance to dictate uh, how aggressive they are between now and the trade deadline, which is now less than four weeks away or about four weeks away. So uh, I, I think that, you know, even more than where they are in the standings coming out of this, it's it's going to be – you know, how does this inform the decisions that Matt Clentak and the baseball people make between now and July 31st? Now, you mentioned the pitching. I, I think I saw the June ERA for the entire staff was 5.63. The starters had an ERA of 5.08. The much maligned bullpen, 6.62. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> what, can we, what can we do about that? Well, let, me, let me put it this way. Aaron Nola is on the mound tonight. He looks like he's returning to 2018 form, which is great. But Beyond him, I never know what to expect from the starters. Eflin's been okay. Arietta has had his moments, but is nowhere near the pitcher he was three or four years ago. It's always a crapshoot when the starter is Pavetta, Eikhoff, or Velasquez. So 
I know the Phillies need another starter or two. I read your piece yesterday. I know you agree with that assessment, but when will Matt Klintak do something about it? Well, I mean, the thing about trades is, obviously, um, it takes two. Uh, you have to have somebody willing to trade with you. Um, so that that's kind of hard to answer. I think a lot of teams uh, who are going to unload at the deadline uh, tend to like to wait. They think that it's going to – you know, there's always a marketing for pitching, a market for pitching. Uh, there are always teams looking for pitching at the deadline. So I think the feeling on the teams that are sellers is that, well, if I wait a little longer – um, you know, the bidding will, will go up and I'll get more in return for, for a guy who may even be a rent player. Um, so I, I think that's probably the, the dynamic uh, that's going on right now. Um, you know, the question really becomes how much are the Phillies willing to give up? Uh, what do they have to give up? Uh, I don't think that their farm system right now is really, um, you know, loaded with, with prospects other teams might want. So, you know, there's, there's really a couple questions. You know, how much are they willing to give up and how attractive is what they have to give up to teams that are, tra- are willing to trade pitching? Now, we hear some of the names, Madison Bumgarner, Trevor Bauer, Mike Miner, maybe you can go crazy and try for Zach Greinke. What names are you hearing as possibilities? Well, I mean, it always come, seems to come back to Bumgarner. Um, I know he's pitched a little better lately, uh, but clearly if you go on his, on his track record the last, say, three years, He's not the pitcher he once was, but you know what he is? He's left-handed, and I really am, you know, I, I guess maybe there are analytics that show that this isn't true, but I really feel like if you can have at least one left-hander in your rotation that, that that's a good thing and mix it up a little bit. Uh, the Phillies have been so right-handed for so long now, uh, so I, I think that would be uh, certainly a name to keep an eye on. And Zach Greinke – Boy, I tell you what, that's that's a dream sort of a, a, a scenario that they could get Zach Greinke. Uh, I think what gives you hope is that he's only going to be traded because the Diamondbacks are looking to move money, uh, and the Phillies have shown a willingness to pay money. Uh, and as, as Pat Gillick always said, it's a sliding scale. The more money you're willing to take back, the less you give up uh, in, in terms of talent and prospects. Having said that, we all know that Zach Greinke is a little bit of a different cat, and I think there's a, a real question as to whether uh, the Philadelphia environment is one that he would thrive in. Hmm. Um, Vince Velasquez, why do the Phillies keep throwing him out there every once in a while? Because I don't need to see any more of Vinny V. <laughs> well, because he's got a good arm, <laughs> and he teases you. You know, he, he, he gives you a good start now and then. He gives you good four or five innings. Um, you know, there's something there. Uh, you don't want to give up on a good arm, uh, but I, I do think that we are at, at the point of the season, you know, the Phillies are kind of, I'm not saying fighting for their lives here, but they're sort of fighting to keep their heads above water. And clearly the fact that they've adjusted the rotation going into the to the break to skip Vinny this time around against yeah. the Braves, the team they're trying to catch, I think indicates that they're feeling a little bit of urgency here too. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Does he go back to the bullpen for good? You know, do, do they try him again in the rotation because they may not have a better option right now? I don't know. The, uh, I, and I remember there was, a, there was an issue earlier this year with him shaking off uh, JT Real Muto. Yep. And I, I thought it was decided that he wasn't going to do that anymore. And his last time out, it seemed like he was, st- he was doing that again. So I don't <laughs> – I don't know how you how you deal with that unless you tell him 
don't shake off the catcher. And if he does shake off the catcher, have the catcher just keep putting the same sign down until he decides to throw it. <laughs> the, yeah. You know, the problem with that is that a pitcher has to be invested in the pitch. If if the pitcher is throwing the ball and he's questioning that he's throwing the right pitch, it's not going to be as good a pitch as it should be. So there's not a real easy answer to that. Um, I, I think it's, it's really one of the fascinating uh, questions uh, but but clearly, if uh, if and when the Phillies do go out and get a starting pitcher, I think Vinny probably goes back to the bullpen. Yeah. Another guy who teases us every once in a while is Nick Pavetta. I remember the spring of 2018, again, the spring this year. A lot of people said, this is going to be Nick Pavetta's year. It's, he's going to have a breakout season. And every, every once in a while, he looks really good, but then he goes right back into the same. He struggles. What do you make of Pavetta? Is he a good pitcher? Does he have potential? You know, I think he, he and Vinny Velasquez kind of fall in the same category. Uh, young, good arm, pretty young. Not as young as they used to be, which I think is important to note. Uh, but, but younger, uh, good arms, you know, they, they show you flashes of being really good from time to time. Uh, but they don't do it consistently. And that, I think, is a hallmark of a lot of young pitchers. Uh, some of them figured out and become um, John Smoltz or, or Tom Glavin, and some people don't. Um, so, you know, it's always, it's, always a, it's always a really interesting dilemma, I think, for teams uh, who have guys like that. How long do you go with them? How much rope do you give them? You know, if you give up on them and they go somewhere else and, and find, find themselves, then you look really bad. Um, so it's it's a it's probably one of the the tougher decisions I think that uh, the teams have to make right now if they have that kind of young talented pitcher who is not performing to the level that you expect them to or, or think they can consistently. You know how long do you go with them and what do you do do about it? Now the bullpen, as mentioned, had a rough June, a six point six two ERA. Um, it's good that Adam Morgan's back. It's good that Tommy Hunter's back. But Morgan looked terrible in his first couple of outings since coming back. I'm not really sure how big a role Hunter will have. David Robertson is throwing again, but it's probably still a couple of weeks away from returning. Might they try to get another bullpen arm this month as well as a starter? I think they've got to look. Um, you know, if if, uh, if Hunter does come back and, and play a role and Robertson does come back and pitch the way he's capable of, it still wouldn't hurt to have another guy uh, down there. You know, the thing about relievers is they're so in and out, especially from year to year, up and down. Um, you almost have to get quality out of quantity, I think, in the bullpen these days. And, um, you know, I, I think that if you are the Phillies, you have to hope that getting people back. I mean, they got Nishak back for one game, and then he hurt himself again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think they have to hope for health there. They have to hope that the guys that are coming back, the, the more veteran guys, are going to step in and, and do the jobs that that they're paying, being paid quite a bit of money to do. All right, the lineup. Scott Kingery's been a pleasant surprise this season. But other than him, well, nobody's having a terrible season. Pretty much everybody has underperformed, including the all-star catcher. Can we expect Segura, Harper, Real Muto, Franco, et cetera, to have a better second half? What do you think? Well, I, I don't know if you can throw Franco in that bag because he has not really had the track record um, that the other guys have had. Uh, he has been clearly hot and cold this year. He started out great, then he went into that deep slump, and now he looks like he's coming around a little bit again. But guys like Segura and Real Muto and uh, and Harper, 
you know, you you normally say when when guys like that aren't having the kind of first half that they are normally that they you are used to having, that you can probably count on them having pretty good second halves to get back to about where they should be by the end of the year. But of course, that doesn't happen every year. Uh, it's a it's a it's a, a measuring stick. It's something you can hope for. Something that you see happen a lot, but you're not guaranteed it's going to happen. And um, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, I think Harper is a is a really smart player. I think he, I think he knows how to play the game, and I think he understands that he doesn't have to try to hit every ball 600 feet. That you know, 400 feet will do, or even a double into the gap is usually pretty good. Uh, but he just he just seems like he's trying to um, play up to the contract, and I think you see that a lot in guys. They 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 know they made they got a big contract. They're making a lot of money, and they they want to prove to everybody they're worth it. Uh, when all they really have to do is just go out and play the way they've always played, because that's what earned them that money in the first place. Uh, I thought Harper might be immune to that. I mean, he, here's a guy who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 years old. He's been in the spotlight for t- 10 years now. Uh, so I had kind of thought that maybe that wouldn't apply to him. Maybe he would. You know, not fall victim to that, but it sure looks like from the outside that's what's happening. He's he's just trying to do a little too much. Paul, your pal and ours, Steve Potter, knows everything there is to know about the <laughs> Phillies minor league system. We've had him on with us the past two springs ahead of that season, but maybe you can answer this. He's not here with us tonight. So uh, we saw Adam Hazley briefly a month or so back, but how close are guys like Hazley and third baseman Alec Baum to being ready to contribute at the major league level? Well, I think any time you get to double A, you have to think that, you know, you're not that far away. Hazley had a had a great start in Reading, uh, and then he had about a week in triple A before he got called up. So I think he I think the jury's still out on him, but he is a number one draft choice. He's a college kid and I would hope that uh you know, that he would be um be able to contribute if if uh if they need help. Uh, you know, right now they seem pretty content to have uh, Roman Quinn as long as he can stay healthy and Scotty Kingery playing in center field some. Um, I, I think we have to assume at this point that Odubel Herrera is not going to be back this year. Um, so I, I think as long as Roman Quinn stays healthy and and they can, um, you know, they can mix and match a little bit, I, I think they're probably content right now to have Hazley just get, you know, a few more at-bats and a little more experience at AAA. All right. Hey, Paul, you were honored six years ago by the Baseball Writers Association with the J.G. Taylor Spink Award recognized during Hall of Fame weekend in Cooperstown. What did that award mean to you? <laughs> well, it, uh, it's about the highest honor I think a, a baseball writer can aspire to, and it's voted on by your peers. So uh, it, it was just a surreal experience, and um, I, I know that my friend Jason Sark is getting the same award this year, and I know what he's going through. I know how exciting it is and i'm i'm just uh i couldn't be happier for him yeah i was going to mention that uh jason's been on our little show three times and he's going to be honored later this month you know jason a little bit i mean he's been around for you know 30 years writing about the phillies and major league baseball quite a writer he's a he's a great writer and he has a really uh especially i think when he worked at the Enquirer and wrote the baseball week in review he had a really sort of an entertaining, off-kilter way of looking at baseball at times. I remember, for example, at Wrigley Field, a, a guy had a home run that broke the window of the apartment across the street uh, behind the bleachers in left field. 
So, of course, Jason called the guy who lived there to, to get his reaction to what it was like to have a baseball under your living room. <laughs> and it turned out he was a French guy who really didn't know that much about baseball. So, you know, just things like that. Jason was always looking for the offbeat angle and, as you say, a, an excellent writer and a guy who has a, a really entertaining way of looking at baseball. He sure does. Hey, Paul, in our final couple of minutes, let's play a real quick game of Fast Five. Five simple questions from me, five brief answers from you. You you okay with that? Okay. Sure. All right, here we go. We may get a resolution next year, Paul, but is Dick Allen a Hall of Famer? Uh, In my mind, yes, and I hope he makes it. He missed by one vote last time around. Yeah. Do any of the 2008 Phillies have a shot at the Hall of Fame? I think they're probably long shots at this point. Um Jimmy Rollins probably of of the three big guys, and Cole Hamels, of course, still has a chance, uh, depending on how his career ends. All right, Bryce Harper currently has 15 home runs. How many will he hit this year? Um, I'm going to just say I'll, I'll say 30. I'll say he'll do about the same in the second half, maybe 32. Uh, but he does have the ability to get really hot. We just haven't seen it yet, and here we are in July. Paul, you've been covering Major League Baseball for 45 years now. Steve Carlton is the best Phillies pitcher of the past 45 years. Which non-Philly was your favorite pitcher to watch on the mound? Oh, wow. Um, I got a chance to cover Fergie Jenkins uh, for a couple years uh, early in my career with the Texas Rangers, and I loved Fergie because he worked fast and he threw strikes. All right, good answer. And uh, the big question, will the Phillies make the postseason this year, Paul? I think it's a coin flip uh, right now, and I think it's really dependent uh, on what they do and what other teams do between now and the deadline. Uh, I'm going to say they have to get better. They have to improve to make it, but I'm going to be optimistic and say, yeah, they'll they'll make it as a wild card. Let me give you a bonus question. What's your favorite sure. baseball movie? Baseball movie. <sighs> Quickly off the top of my head, probably Bull Durham. Yeah, that's that's not a bad one. That's uh, one of my go-to movies also when I think about baseball movies. All right, great job, Paul. Hey, read this guy in the Philly Voice, phillyvoice.com, Paul Hagan. Thanks so much for doing this, and hopefully you'll come back again. Anytime. Thanks for asking All right, me. Now go, now go watch the Phillies beat the Braves, okay? <laughs> okay, will do. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Let's take a break so I can tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I happened to be there last Thursday night hanging out with a bunch of great people as the Rover had a whiskey and cigars night. I sampled a bunch of Kilbegan whiskey, and yes, for the first time in nine or ten years, I smoked a cigar. Not bad. They'll probably do another one of those, by the way, in September. Beyond that, the Irish Rover has a great variety of food and drink with all sorts of specials and always 24 beers on tap. Mark your calendars. Shark Week starts July 28th at the Rover with Land Shark beer specials and shark cocktails. More about all of that in the weeks ahead. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and you can get more info on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. Oh, the 4th of July will actually be on a Thursday this year. Not a Saturday, but wow, what a great summer song that is by the awesome band Chicago. I've never seen them, but good band, like a lot of their songs. Now, the fact that the 4th is coming up on Thursday and the 3rd being a Wednesday and a party night for a lot of people or fireworks night for some communities is why we moved this week's show up a day to Tuesday the 2nd. Of course, it'll be available for eternity on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, the TuneIn app, and various other places. 
And right now we have a phone call, and I think I recognize the number as that of a guy who's normally here every week with me, but who chose to take this week off to hang out in Atlanta with some family members. And coming our way live from SunTrust Park in Atlanta, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Bill Furman. Hey, Bill. Hey, this is the other guy calling from SunTrust, like you said. What's the good word? How's it looking down there? Well, I tell you what, it's a big crowd. Uh, this facility is beautiful. The area around the stadium, the battery, they call it, full of restaurants, bars, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, this is a tremendous venue. And just for you, the Phillies moved Aaron Nola up in the rotation so he would pitch tonight while you were there. Yes, he did. And uh, I tell you what, these people in Atlanta are pretty fired up at their last week sweeping the Phillies. They know if they could pull that off again, they go eight and a half games up. Before the fourth, you know, around the fourth of July, this thing could be over. They're, the Braves fans are pumped up. I just had a great 17-minute talk with Paul Hagen. Boy, what a, a great guy he is, and a good conversation we had. And he wrote yesterday, this is a pretty damn important series. He actually wrote that, pretty damn important series for the Phillies. So do you agree, is this week before the All-Star game crucial for the Phillies to show that they are really legitimate contenders? Uh, absolutely. If they lose two out of three and lose another game, I think that's trouble. If they get swept out there, you put a fork in them, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully they'll get this win tonight and, you know, take at least two out of three and then, uh, you know, finish out the week on a high note going into the All-Star game. Hey, you mentioned SunTrust Park. Uh, is the stadium pretty nice down there? Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. There's a nice crowd. A gigantic center field scoreboard, a lot of activities around the stadium. And then you can walk in and out. Uh, you can't bring your drinks back in with you, but there are plenty of restaurants and bars right next to the stadium through a gate. And also an right. Omni Hotel that sits out above the outfield where people are standing up on their balconies uh, watching the game. It's really cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you're getting to see some family members in Atlanta, too, a little family reunion, of course. Yeah, I'm here with um, Bishop and Mike. My son uh, lives right down the street from the stadium. Uh, because I'm old, he drove halfway to his work parking lot. He only walked about a half mile instead of the full mile. Nice. And uh, Do I ever I tell mentioned... you how much I don't like the tomahawk chop, though? Oh, I can't stand the tomahawk chalk. I, I don't I don't want to watch that. So when they start doing that, I, I would just close my eyes if I were there. Yeah, well, it's the bottom of the first inning. Braves are coming to bat, and uh, the chop is on. Uh, did, the, did the Phillies do anything in the top half? They did not. Three up, three down. And a lot of bills for that Bryce Harper. Oh, I'm, I'm not surprised. As you mentioned, or as you know, we last week unveiled our Hall of Fame nominees for this year. For our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame, we're going to put in five new persons, players. Um, uh, the people are going to vote in three. Then you and I are going to pick one. And we're going to hold off on doing that until next week because, you know, you traveling, plus we had some technical glitches initially with uh, uh, getting the thing on the website. So we're going to do all of that over the next week and induct our new guys next week. Have you taken a look at the votes? Because I really haven't. Uh, anybody standing out in terms of getting votes? Yeah, well, I actually looked at it this afternoon. There's about 300 votes that they cast, and I'll tell you, I was a little surprised. Uh, there's a lot of guys with a lot of votes. So, you know, usually we have some pretty good separation, but we're not seeing quite as much. There's probably six, seven, eight guys that are still in the hunt for that, and uh, we're going to run it another week.
And I'm guessing Donovan McNabb is not getting any support once again. Donovan McNabb is next to last, and Randall Cunningham <laughs> is about four or five from last. But just mind-boggling wow. that they get absolutely no support. Yeah, McNabb, I'm not surprised just because of the perception of him by a lot of people. But I thought Cunningham would do a lot better. I thought that last year, too, and I was wrong. So uh, I guess it's still the case this year. So we'll see, and we'll get more votes over the next week, and uh, we'll do our inductions next week. Uh, anything else you have planned this week down in Atlanta or wherever else you're going to be? Well, tomorrow we've got to do a little work for the work, but uh, going to go to the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, which is in downtown Atlanta now, right next to the uh, – the new dome. So we're going to go down there and uh, we may come back to the game again tomorrow. Probably going to not come on the 4th of July just because there'll be a packed house and we can watch the fireworks from across the road at my house. All right. Sounds like you're having a good time. Good uh, hanging out with family and hopefully you're going to get to see a Phillies victory tonight in Atlanta. I would love to see that for you. Yeah, me too. And I'll tell you what's interesting, Chad. You're going to see it on TV tonight. Um, this stadium, there's a nice crowd. You know, they start the game at 720 because of traffic situation here in Atlanta. But there's a nice crowd here at the start of the game. And when you watch on TV, you're going to see behind home plate, it looks like it's empty. Those high-priced seats, uh, at least at this point, there's hardly anybody in them. Also in the second deck behind home plate, same thing. Uh, it looks like hmm. it's an empty stadium, but it's pretty packed. Yeah. I got to get down there one of these days. I was there at the previous uh, park, I guess, in 2013 or 14, and I'd like to check out SunTrust Park. How does it compare to Citizens Bank Park in terms of quality? The, the stadium itself is, is not a whole lot different than Citizens Bank Park, but what's different is all this entertainment attached to it. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there's probably, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's 40 bars and 20 restaurants right outside the gate. And you can actually walk back out, go over there, have a few drinks, watch some on TV, eat, and walk back in. Uh, mm. It's quite a setup. Sounds like my kind of place. And speaking of those sort of things, did you see that I was at a whiskey and cigar night last Thursday at our place, the Irish Rover? <laughs> I did. I did. Very <laughs> nice. How was that? That was pretty good. I'm not a huge whiskey drinker, but I did sample five different whiskeys, and I actually liked four of them. And I drove home safely. Don't worry. And I even had a cigar for the first time in nine or ten years. And uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, my wife was away, so she didn't have to smell the cigar smoke on me when I got home. Because <laughs> nice. she does hey, not like that. I was to tell you about with the stadium. Uh, they, they have great tributes throughout the part of the park I've been able to see so far with the old-timers, uh, old-timer brains. And they have a tremendous Hank Aaron uh, tribute area that, I'm going to go back by and take some pictures. It's really cool and uh, obviously much deserved by to one of my favorite players. Yep, mine as well. Uh, we both love uh, Hammer and Hank Aaron. So, yeah, take some pictures, and uh, I'll look to see those. There I'm you go. There's you a back. big hit for the Braves. That's not baseball. good. No, it's All not right. good. Talk Enjoy you, the game, Bill. Week. Sounds All good. Righty. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Go, Phil. All right, we're going to – yep. We're going to talk Sixers basketball in just a moment with our pal Fred Hugo, but first I need to mention our friend Dave Lavoy at Allstate Insurance. Did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? Yeah, 56%. If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Lavoy from Allstate in Westchester, PA. Very true. The same person you can count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal. Then 
show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, PA at 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoie, 610-430-0700. One more time, 610-430-0700. And before Fred Hugo joins us here, I have to mention that it was 50 years ago this week, exactly, that my favorite Rolling Stones song, this one, was released, and I love this tune. I could play that whole song. I should, but I'm not going to. 50 years ago, July 4th, 1969. Yeah, the 4th of July came in. They don't really have the 4th of July in London. They don't celebrate it anyway, you know. Still sounds great today, and I can't wait to see the Stones again in three weeks. I know I mentioned that earlier, but I love the Stones. All right. With that out of the way, uh, we're going to welcome Fred in just a moment because uh, he's going to be calling in. We're going to talk a little 76ers basketball. As you know, the Sixers made a lot of moves over the past several days, the big ones being saying goodbye to Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick. They keep Tobias Harris around. They bring in Al Horford. Uh, they get Josh Richardson in the sign-and-trade with Miami, so he's going to be a starter. Uh, today they also announced that they're signing Shake Milton, who I think they're going to have a little role for uh, as one of the guys off the bench this year. So, Shake, shake, shake with Shake Milton. And James Ennis, they found some money to bring James Ennis back as well. So a little bit more depth for your 76ers. So with that, we have now to say hello to our pal from FredandButter.com. He's a Sixers season ticket holder and a new father to another little Fred, the lovely and talented Fred Hugo, joining us live. First of all, Fred, how's that baby? Ah, the baby's awesome. Healthy, doing good. Fred DeForest, exciting. Got a boy, hopefully a football player. We'll see. Fred DeForest, did you have any other name possibilities, or was it definitely going to be another Fred if it were a boy? My wife wanted really didn't, wasn't too fond of it, but, I mean, it, it was definitely <laughs> happening. Like, there was no, you know. I, I mean, I guess I kind of, but I, I would have. I'm so stubborn of a person that I would have just continued to call him Fred, even though that wasn't his name, and I would have made it real messy. So. Oh, that's funny. And how's she his gave big in. sister enjoying? How's the big sister enjoying him? She loves it, man. She's embracing it, and uh, she's excited to be a big sister. Two days before, though, she did switch, and she's like, "Can we just make it a sister? Can I have a sister instead?" <laughs> and um, oh, I'm like, "Nah, it doesn't work like that." <laughs> that's funny. All right, Fred. We need to talk a little hoops, but we haven't played this in a while, and I think we need to dust this off tonight. Here we go. Sorry, but it takes me back to my youth and I needed to hear it. All right, Fred, first things first, the departure of Jimmy Butler. Were you surprised at Jimmy Bucket's decision to turn down the Sixers offer, if that's indeed the way it happened? I was surprised. I wasn't surprised that he was gone. I was surprised that he turned down the offer and um, almost makes him kind of a fraud, to, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. We're hearing Jimmy wasn't really a big fan of Brett Brown. Also, that Tobias Harris didn't really like playing with Butler. What do you think about that kind of stuff? I think it makes sense, Brett Brown, um, the way he coaches, and Jimmy being a veteran and a boisterous veteran, a guy that, that's going to speak his mind. I could definitely see the clash there. And then as far as on the court, you definitely could see that um, – 
you know, Tobias was kind of relegated to a spot-up shooter at times when he was on the floor with Jimmy or when all five were on the court together. So, you know, I definitely see where that could have been been a clash there. If you if you if you there's a clip if you see their their post game and Jimmy's joking around talking about the weather being 70 outside and Tobias is kind of looking at him like he's crazy. He's like, we just won the game, man. What are you talking about? I, I saw it today and I'm like, oh wow. It was a weird how you just Tobias's reaction was almost like, man, you're crazy. And I, I never saw that till today. So hmm. it's definitely so, but, something might have yeah. been there. Yeah, so Butler goes to Miami. The Heat give the Sixers Josh Richardson, a pretty decent player who will almost certainly start for Philly in the sign-and-trade. And Tobias Harris gets a bloated contract to stay with the Sixers. I know they overpaid, but what do you think about keeping Harris around and how good is Josh Richardson? Uh, well, Harris, you were gonna, if you're going to keep him regardless, you were going to pay something along them lines. He, he got the fifth year, which was the main, the extra, the extra money there. Anywhere he went, he was going to get paid somewhere along them lines, give or take, you know, a couple million. He actually took a $10 million pay cut, not pay cut, but less than the max. So it, I thought it was a good deal for, for what you have in store for him. And Josh Richardson, I mean, if you couldn't take too much back from the Heat. Everyone's like, oh, we only got one guy. But you didn't want to take a lot back from the Heat because of the contract, and you wanted to be able to bring in Horford. So to get a two-way player, um, a guy that, shoots the three as I think it was 38% I saw you know it's almost taken a little bit off the shot from JJ Redick but then being able to have a defender now that can play defense so a lot of times JJ as great of an offensive player as he is a lot of times it was five on four they would just that's how the Celtics beat us they would just find the matchup swing the ball and get beat Redick's guy and then everyone switches and so now that'll be gone hopefully so I really considering Jimmy had the lead um, I, I really like the moves they made there. Yeah, me as well. And, and Charles Barkley on with Mike Missinelli on 97.5 on Monday said he likes these moves and that Philly definitely improved its chances to win the East. Here's Sir Charles on all of that. They're better than last year, and they just added two proven players. And you assume that Joel's going to stay healthy and get in shape, and you assume that Ben's going to improve. I see no doubt why the Sixers will not be the favorites. Are they one of the favorites now to at least win the East, you think, Fred? Yeah, I, I think they would have been regard like as long as they brought in two play like replaced whoever and have two people next to Joe and Ben, they're they're gonna be the top or if not the top two or three seed in, in the East. So yeah, I no matter who they brought in, I thought they would still be, you know, considered the top in the East. Yeah, of course, we still don't know where Kawhi Leonard's going to end up. Is he going to go back to Toronto or is he going to go out west? We don't know. But i got to tell you, Fred, I'm okay with these moves. I was really fearful that, based on his past, the Butler in Philly thing would have gone bad at some point in the next year or two. Just a hunch. And I also think that this will give Tobias a chance to blossom. Plus, Richardson and Tobias are both still young. They're mid-20s, whereas Butler will be 30 in September. And I like the addition of Al Horford, too, because even though he's 33 – He's going to, I think, be a good team leader. He's going to play well with Embiid, and he'll give Embiid a blow, too, when Embiid needs to sit and you know, kind of alternate. Uh, so I think it's going to work out pretty well. I'm optimistic. I'm kind of, I think we both are kind of always optimistic, so people probably think we're just sipping the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but, you know, it, it does make sense. Tobias Harris will now – with the Clippers, he had a lot of more touches, and now he's going to have J.J. shots and Jimmy shots. You know, that's going to open it up for him that he's not – because he's not a spot-up shooter. He creates his own shot. He does so many other things, and he kind of got stuck in the corner there. 
And then Horford, oh, well, at first I heard the money, and I'm like, Horford for that much money? That's ridiculous. But at the end of the contract, it may pan out that he's too old and he's not worth the money, but the benefit now is going to be worth volumes for Embiid in the future. He can learn how to be in the post, how to defend the different nuances of the game, because we forget that Joel Embiid didn't play basketball through his whole childhood or through high school to learn those different things. He's learning that like at this level. So that's going to help him from a teaching standpoint. And then the other end of the spectrum is now when you got Horford at the four, Joel is not going to be your only defender. Everyone's like, he's always sagging back to the three point line. Well, part of the reason is conditioning, but the other part of the reason is on defense, he's given as much energy as he is on offense. So if not more, so now with Horford there, he can probably, you know, just play defense regular sometimes, not have to put so much effort or worry about making the block, along with Josh Richardson, that overall you're going to see a better Embiid because of Horford as well. Hey, the Summer League starts already this Friday, and I think the Sixers are going to have Matisse Thibel there, Zaire Smith, Shake Milton, Haywood Highsmith, and the second-round pick, uh, Shyak. So they're all going to be playing summer league. Are you going to ho- hopefully try to watch some of that? And what are you going to look for from these young guys? Oh, I'm sure ter- I'm going to look for Zaire and Thibault to to see how athletic they are. I mean, you're, they're playing summer league people, but you know, it's not doesn't really matter how much they're scoring. But you want to watch how they move from defender to defender. If they're getting confused, if their their vision coming down the court. You know, if they knock down shots, that's good. But they're both, as far as the shots go, are you know projections, I guess you would say, or, or uh, developing them. Um, so you can't expect them to make a ton, but with their, their defensive, defensively, we need them to guard the other athletic guards. We watch team after team come play us. Our reserves come in and their guards, whether they're starters or backups, just run all over them. If we can get solid defenders in there that can score a bucket here and there, that's what I'm looking for. So hopefully for as far as those two go, the second-round pick guy, I really don't care. To, I don't think he'll paint out too much. But who knows? He might. And then you got um, Shake Milton that you want. He's going to get significant time. They just locked him up to a four-year deal. Yep. He's yep. your he's your backup point guard slash shooting guard. So he, I, I don't know how they do that without, I guess, their own eye. He, he hasn't really played at the NBA level yet. So we're looking for him to, to be able to score and, and play point guard when, when he comes in for Ben. Yeah, now getting back to what Charles Barkley was saying, for the Sixers to be the favorites, truly they'll need a healthy, in-shape Embiid, plus just as importantly, a Ben Simmons who will finally start shooting some outside shots. Here's Barkley again on 97.5 on Simmons taking that next at step. At some point you've got to get embarrassed. Like, yo, man, you don't even look at the basket. I mean, at some point as a player, you've got to look in the mirror and say, what can I do to get our team better? Is that going to happen this year? Is he going to take some shots, Fred? He's going to have to take them, but, I mean, for people to think he's just going to start knocking down, like, 50% from the field or even, you know, is ridiculous. He he clearly did not have a jump shot. He did not have one in college. He's developing that at the pro level. He's shy to shoot it. He's scared to shoot it, if it would go that far to say it. Next year, he's definitely going to have to, to take the shots, though. It, like Brett Brown said, it's eventually going to define him, whether he's a good player that's an all-star or if he's a superstar but I'm more concerned with the free throw percentage. If he can get the free throw percentage up to like a 75% and then be able to that, – that's part of the reason I feel like he doesn't attack the rim as much because he knows he's going to go to the line and miss the free throws. If he can get that up, then that changes everything as well because 
now they can't just foul him and, and get a free two misses. He'll, he'll be putting them in at three to four clips. So he'll definitely attempt them, but I, I would caution people to expect, like, I don't know. Giannis still doesn't have a jump shot. That's great. He, he's in his, what, sixth year? He's MVP of the league, and his just started to become relevant this year. And how long did it take him to work on it? So pump the brakes on that. All right, the big question all over Sports Talk Radio the last two days, which Sixer is the go-to guy in a tight game when they need a bucket down the stretch? Who is it? This is my big problem with Jimmy leaving. (laughs) (laughs) I think it has to be, and this is, I guess, this is probably unpopular. I feel like it has to be Joel Embiid. (laughs) Like, get it to him on the block and let him go old school and then see how that goes. And if if they double him, he kicks to the open man, and they have to knock it down. That, that's that's how I, I I would go with Embiid. Yeah, get it into him, or hopefully Tobias will become that guy. I mean, he's got the big contract now, and he's going to have a bigger role. So, uh, you know, maybe it'll be him. We'll see. Mike Scott is back, by the way, which is good. And they also locked up James Ennis, too. I don't know where they found this money, but they got Ennis. So they do have a little bit of depth, at least. I was a little worried about that. But are you okay with the bench as it stands? Yes, uh, we do need some. Sh- we do. I don't know how what they have at the cast face. They need guards. So we need a guard that can shoot. You know, I, I don't know if it's not, Richardson can't be the end all be all. Hopefully, Shea can shoot. I'm okay right now with the bench, but we do need to add. Um, you know, I, I like Quinn Cooks out there. He's a nice shooting point guard from the Warriors. Could probably get him. I, I would like to see a, a, some guards at it. Hey, by the way, what's up with J.J. Redick deciding to go to New Orleans? Did the Sixers just not want him back? Because, I mean, he was always talking about staying, you know, close to the Philly, New York area because he's got the home in Brooklyn. Why would he decide to go to New Orleans, a team that's not supposed to be real good? Money's one thing, and then I'm and I'm just – this is a total guess. I'm pretty sure that they had in mind what was going to happen, and they said you're probably not going to be the starting shooting guard here anymore. You're going to be the sixth man. And I'm, I'm going to – he probably didn't want that role. You know, plus he's right. come back here. He probably would have had to make eight million in that area, and he's making what thirteen a year and for two years. So, and it's not like the Pelicans yeah. are terrible. They got Zion Williamson. They're up and growing. Drew Holiday. So, that's why I think. Well, we'll miss JJ and wish him the best. All right. So, Fred, let's say Kawhi Leonard returns to Toronto. If that's the case, rank the top four teams in the NBA's Eastern Conference for me. Sixers, Raptors, Bucks, Nets. In that order this year? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, defensively, we'll, 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 we'll match up. Our, our defense is going to be un- unbelievable this year. I hope you're right. Hey, Fred, did you catch our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame ballot? Did you cast your ballot? I did not cast my ballot. I did catch I caught the show today, actually. I've been all out, all out of control with, with the kid, and I actually moved as well. So, But if I cast my vote, it's going to be Randall Cunningham. Okay. Yeah, you can when actually I cast vote, my vote for – Yep. You can vote for five guys, and uh, I'll run them down for other people too. The holdovers are Bob Brown, Mo Cheeks, Billy Cunningham, Randall Cunningham, Darren Dalton, Tim Kerr, Donovan McNabb, Mike Quick, Jimmy Rollins, Dave Schultz, and Chet Walker. And the new to the ballot this year are these five names, Ryan Howard, Bobby Jones, Rick McLeish, Tug McGraw, and Wilbert Montgomery. So there you go. I think I got my five. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, Wil- make sure to Wilbert, vote. Wilbert, yeah, go ahead. And by the way, you said you moved or you were in the process of moving today? 
No, we actually moved the day before Fred was born. Closed on Wednesday, oh, okay. moved Thursday, baby born Friday. Oh, so a couple of weeks ago. Was that two weeks ago? I, I think it was last early week. Last week. Yeah. I've, I'm totally yeah, losing yeah. track of time. So, so Fred's only, what, nine days old or something like that? Correct. There you go. What's the date? Hurry up. Off the top of your head, what was the date? 62119. 621. The 21st. Okay. Gotcha. Because I was going to say, if you're new to the new place, Jimmy Butler's house in Ambler is for sale for seven million dollars. <laughs> I wish maybe uh maybe a Philly press box takes off and gra- and lets me straggle <laughs> on as a third wheel and we can uh we can buy that. <laughs> yeah, we we can only hope we can only hope, Fred. All right, Fred, this has been a blast. Congrats again on baby Fred, and before you know it, we'll be talking Eagles football. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Go Sixers. Go Birds. Phillies. Flyers. All right, take it easy, Fred. And, folks, don't tell Bill that I'm doing this, but i got to hear this one more time just because I need to. All right, yeah, I love the Stones. Sue me. All right, so some odds and ends. I was up in Allentown last Saturday for the Andre Reed Foundation Casino Night event, a fundraiser to benefit various Lehigh Valley agencies that support the area's youth. As you may know, the Hall of Fame wide receiver Andre Reed is an Allentown native who attended Kutztown University before his great career with the Buffalo Bills. Had a great time, thanks to our pal Switt, Steve Switkowitz, for snagging a ticket for me. It was great to say hello to Andre Reed, to Fred Barnett, Aaron Beasley, Seth Joyner. Always good to see Seth. And even a former longtime New York Giants DB, two-time Super Bowl champion, Mark Collins, who it turns out is a pretty nice guy. We had a good chat. Him a longtime Giant and me a forever Eagles fan. I got an up-close look at his 86 Super Bowl ring. And he was actually happy for me and other Eagles fans for finally getting that Lombardi trophy. So good going, Mark Collins. Good guy. Also, a real shame, the news Monday about the death of 27-year-old L.A. Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Whatever the cause of death, it's very unfortunate. A young guy in the prime of his life who had just gotten married last December. May he rest in peace and sincere condolences to his widowed wife and the rest of his family. As mentioned earlier in the show, World Cup soccer today. I got to see a little bit of the second half while doing my radio job. Team USA beating England 2-1. to one. Alex Morgan getting the game-winning goal on her 30th birthday, no less. Team USA will be in the final on Sunday, so congrats to Team USA. I did not like the fact that, for one thing, Sergei Bobrovsky, I can't say his name, Sergei Bobrovsky, the former Flyers goaltender, been with Columbus for many years, is now a Florida Panther, so we'll be seeing a lot of him still in the future as uh, their goalie. And Wayne Simmons signs a one-year deal with the New Jersey Devils. So we're going to see Simmons as a New Jersey Devil. That is just not going to look right. I guess on the bright side, at least he's not a Penguin, okay, because that would really stink. A couple of instances early last week of young female fans in two straight games running onto the field to hug Dodgers right fielder Cody Bellinger in L.A. Sunday of last week and then in Arizona a day later. It took me back to the days of Morgana the Kissing Bandit. Remember Morgana? Her measurements were said to be 60, 24, 
39. You can look at pictures. You can find them. That's what the Internet is great for. Uh, by the way, Morgana turns 65 this week on the 4th of July. So she's still around, but I don't think she runs on the field anymore and tries to hug or kiss anybody. Um, I saw the movie yesterday over the weekend. If you didn't see my review on Facebook, I loved it. I've seen 16 movies this year, calendar year two, 2019, and it's so far my favorite one. It's the first one to get a solid A. So if you like Beatles music, go see Yesterday. I'm pretty sure you will enjoy it. That's pretty much it for tonight. Uh, I will tell you, though, that next week, Wednesday the 10th, we have another first-time guest joining the show. He is an ex-Marine. He's a baseball statistician. He's an author who's written the book Incredible Baseball Stats. If you follow him on Twitter, you'll see posts like this one from Monday. Angels Mike Trout is 27 years old and is now an eight-time All-Star. Nolan Ryan played 27 seasons and was an eight-time All-Star. See what he did there, 27 and 8. So Incredible Baseball Stats is the book from Ryan Spader. So Ryan Spader will have lots of stats, I'm sure, on the Phillies and all sorts of other baseball things and whatever. And Bill and I will have plenty of questions for him, Ryan Spader. Also on the show, Bill and I will announce our 2019 inductees into our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Again, you can vote right on our website through next Wednesday. The top three vote-getters are elected. And Bill and I will each pick one other inductee to complete the class of 2019. I just realized I didn't write a parting shot for tonight, so I'm not going to give you one. But I was thinking we need another sponsor, and if we could go back in time, maybe we could get Crazy Eddie. Crazy Eddie's greatest TV and video sale ever. Get a video recorder, color TV, large screen TV, video camera, even an audio video component system. Get it all on sale now during Crazy Eddie's greatest TV and video sale ever. Remember, we are not undersold. We will not be undersold. We cannot be undersold. And we mean it. So get anything and everything in TV and video. Get it now during Crazy Eddie's greatest TV and video sale ever. Crazy Eddie, his prices are insane. <laughs> I used to love those spots. I got to be honest. Uh, I know the chain went bankrupt, and there was some, you know, shenanigans going on with the company. But I did buy something from there, won some sort of electronics item, and it was fine. So crazy Eddie, good stuff. All right, that's enough. With that, I've reached the top of the hour, pretty much, almost. I'd like to thank special guest Paul Hagen and, of course, Fred Hugo, plus our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room. And Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Bill Furman, I'm Chet, and we hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll join Philly Press Box Radio back in our regular time slot next week, Wednesday, July 10th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com. You can find us on blogtalkradio.com, Philly Press Box Radio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the TuneIn app. As Bill would say, High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the Gubernaut Hills. I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.